So this morning, thank you, um, I was thinking about um, the, the theme for this month is following the star. And I was thinking about my own fear of darkness, um, something I've never really gotten over. And before I go into rooms, I send other people to turn on lights. Um, I remember when I was a kid, um, we had to do this activity where you walked in the wilderness at Pine Springs Ranch in the dark and you had to find the rest of your group and then find them and sit with them and then the leader would say it was okay for the next person to go. And I was one of the last three people in our class to do this activity and I started physically shivering and tears started rolling down my eyes and I told my teacher there was absolutely no way I was going to walk out into the wilderness at night by myself. But he continued to encourage me saying, it's okay Josie, do it, and I somewhat felt coerced, but um, eventually went out and walked and was scared out of my mind. Until I walked past um, this clearing and I saw a bunch of shirts and people sitting absolutely still and it scared me like crazy. Um, but what I did is I actually started walking towards them and recognized the faces around me and sat down. And at that point, the leader that was there said, good job, Josie, you found us. And for me, it was such a huge deal for me to conquer my fear of walking alone in the dark. Afterwards, our teacher came and he brought a flashlight. And the moment he turned his flashlight on, everybody's focus went from whatever else they were focusing on directly to the light. And last week, Pastor David was talking about Jesus being the light of the world, coming to a place of darkness. And when the light comes, all of our focus is no longer on the fears of the unknown or seeking out what, what could be around the next corner, but we allow ourselves to be led by the light which illuminates the path before us. I imagine myself walking um, at night with a flashlight in hand, and that being my spiritual walk with God. And I follow the light to the familiar place, and it gets me safely home. And today we're talking about what it means to have salvation. What is salvation, and, and, and what does that mean? And, and we talk about salvation, and there's all these wonderful things, but, but today we are talking about the lament of salvation, the lament of salvation. And so I will read in your hearing one more time, John chapter one, starting at verse nine, it says, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, 
nor by the will of the flesh, nor by the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us bow our heads for prayer. Our Father God, we seek to know you more, to know your grace and experience it and recognize it, and to live in the truth of your salvation. Thank you for the miracle of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 13, we'll be reading several sections of scripture. So if you want to follow along on your iPhones or your, your smartphones or your um, smart tablets, we are in Matthew. If not, I believe there are Bibles in front of you in the pews. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, I'm reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Now when they had departed, they, meaning the wise men who had come from afar, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose, and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. And then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region that were two years old and under, according to the time that they had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken to the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought to take the child's life are dead. And he rose, and he took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and he lived in a city called Nazareth, that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. And in those days, John the Baptist came, preparing in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. There are 
many things that we focus on in the narrative that we have read. We focus on the wise men that came and gave their gifts to Jesus and, and came from afar. We, we've talked, we have often heard about Herod who has come to seek out Jesus, but Jesus is victorious and his angels come to his parents and they warn him and Jesus is in safety and salvation is an opportunity that we still yet have for humanity, but very few times do we stop and wonder what happened to the families that lost their loved ones, their children, their two-year-olds, their infant sons. In the story of salvation, there is this large lament because this God of compassion, of grace, of love, comes into a world that desires power, that desires self-glorification, that wants to assure that its power will remain and will do anything, and will do anything at all costs to keep it. And so Jesus is saved, but the rest die. And it talks about the wailing of the mothers who had lost their loved ones. I recently had been talking to, to women who many years ago had lost their children. And they talk about the things that they don't tell their family or maybe their own children. They talk about the things that they don't want to remember because the pain of having lost a child is too hard. But it is those moments that change your life forever. There is a verse here that is quoted directly from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15. A voice was heard in Ramah where weeping and loud lamentations Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they are no more. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my own life where I have lamented and I have cried out to God because things have not worked out the way I wanted them to, and it seems as if things have gotten worse when I have done my best to be faithful to God. And now God promises salvation, but the very act of salvation itself brings death. And where do I stand when I am wanting to be a follower of God and I'm wanting to have my faith in God but sometimes in this Christmas season it's hard because it's in these moments that we remember who we have lost or what we have lost or the life that we wanted or the things that we wish we had that we don't 
and we find ourselves weeping in loud lamentation. And it's impossible to be comforted. In Jeremiah chapter 31, there is this talk about um, of the exile in Babylon. And in the exile, it talks about Israel being like a young virgin and saying that there is this promise here. Let me, let me go straight to it so I don't summarize it too much for you. But in Jeremiah chapter 31, it says, Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness when Israel sought for rest. And the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Skipping down to verse 14, I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children, but she refuses to be comforted because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. And there is hope for your future, declares your Lord, the Lord, and your own children shall come back to their own country. Oftentimes there are places in, in, the, in the New Testament, um, in the Second Testament, where it refers back to the First Testament or to the Old Testament. And, and it, it, this was written not for us, but it was written for a group of people who knew and had memorized and oftentimes were so familiar that they could recount for themselves the scriptures that were being quoted. And, and so what the rabbis would do is they would just quote the first line or they would quote a phrase and the entire community would know the rest of the phrase. And they would know the stories. And so as the, the, the writer of Matthew is paralleling his story of Mary and Jesus and, this, and salvation and weeping and gnashing of teeth with the story of the, the, the exiles in Babylon and how, how they had been taken away from their land and there had been people who had been murdered in their homeland and they had been taken as exiles and there was a war. But through the exile, the Lord had promised deliverance. And it is when I read these stories and I study them and I wrestle with the text, because it's really easy to hear all of the good stories of God's miracles and all of the good things that happen because Jesus is here, but the things that are the most relevant are the things that don't work out all the time in the stories of Scripture. 
that really impact our lives when we struggle with the text to see where God in the character that is shown throughout scripture, where that character is in the midst of sorrow. And in that place, there is two places, two communities of, that are in great despair and depression, not knowing how to move forward, wondering where God is in the midst of their sadness, their pain, in the midst of all that has been stripped from them. And what I, I love is that it just it doesn't dwell there. But at the same time, I hear that this little phrase is more than a quote from Scripture. It does more than talk about the sadness. It says that Rachel is refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. And I don't know if maybe you've experienced it in your own life or maybe you've just seen it on TV, but when there is a woman who is distressed so much that she cannot be comforted and people come and they tell her to shush or they quiet her or they try to hug her so she'll stop crying and she screams out don't touch me leave me alone refusing to be comforted and as I read this scripture the more I read it and the more I dwelt on it I felt as if this was a war cry as if it was saying, there is nothing left. I am out and this, this is, I'm out of my mind. I'm out of my heart. I have, I am crying out to God. This is unfair. This is not how it should be. God, you cannot let this happen. And while they are in this place, God is fighting on behalf to keep Jesus alive so that we might have a chance to win a war that we do not even know we are fighting. And Jesus is taken by his father. And, and there are very few things in scripture about Joseph, but as I see, it is Joseph who was told by the angels. It says, rise. Three times we read in this pericope, rise and take the child and his mother. Joseph has been uh, uh, the provider and the protector of these two. And I have found that the men of most noble character, the men of the character of God, they provide and they protect. And if the men in this church are a reflection of God, let me tell you that in our homes we feel safe. And although we may not have everything that we want, we have all that we need. And Joseph, the provider and the protector of this family, keeps them from one place to another, to another, safely. They're safe because Joseph's relationship with God is as such that if God comes to him in a dream, 
Joseph recognizes the voice of God and listens immediately. And that is not just the job of the men in our church. That is the job of our children. That is the job of the women. That is the job of this entire community to hear the voice of God and to act immediately according to what we've been told. And there are times where some of us may be getting distracted, Mary distracted with taking care of Jesus and not being able to get much sleep, but Joseph, who is able to to be able to take care while she's taking care of other things, he's taking care of them. The entire family is safe. And I stop here and I describe this a little bit because I think that there are so many parallels that are happening in the midst of this story. There is the parallel of, of, of the Virgin Mary and Jesus with the Babylonian time of, of the Israelites being returned um, and, and the Israelites being Mary and being, being the child. And then there's also the parallel of Jesus and God through Joseph that is the protector of those around. While Jesus is growing up, Joseph is acting in a salvific role for God himself. And it's hard because there are times in our lives, there are seasons in our journey through life where we want things to happen right away, and they're not selfish desires. It's not just that I want a new car or a new house. But sometimes I just want my marriage to work out right. And, and sometimes I just don't want to be sick anymore. And, 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 and sometimes I just want my kids to be safe. And I don't want my family members to be suffering through addictions. And I don't want to have this pain in our family that we just don't talk about anymore. I, I want these things resolved. And, and I want people to be safe. And I want life to be a little bit better. And I'm going to church and I'm crying out to God. And God is answering me, but I just don't know how. And I imagine that that's what it was like for the people in Bethlehem. I imagine that there was this want to trust God and this desire to know his story and his plan, but feeling as if you are in the dark. Have you ever felt that way? I know I have. And I think about that journey that I took by myself on that dark road in the wilderness. And you know, I, I, I sometimes wonder what was wrong with my teacher because there are bobcats out in Pine Springs Ranch and there are rattlesnakes and there are all these dangerous things and they're sending a child out there. I don't know what was wrong with them. Luckily, I'm still alive. But sometimes we are out on these roads and we're alone and danger could be leaking at every corner. But we walk. Because somewhere along the journey, we're a lot safer than we thought we were or that we were even aware of. 
Jesus is fighting a war in this story. But God himself is vulnerable. God himself is placed in a position where he needs saving before he can be the Savior. What kind of God does that? That says to us, I need you. And God doesn't stop doing that. You see, as God continues in the act of salvation, we too participate in the act of salvation. We get to let people know that God loves us so much that he would choose to be tortured and murdered so that we might have eternity with God. And I think, I think about what the, what the 12 disciples at the end of, of, of at the, towards the end of the story of the Gospels, these 12 disciples are caught in an upper room and they're scared and they're depressed and they're fearing for their own lives while they're suffering with their own grief and they're hiding away. Because this Savior that they thought was coming to rescue them from Roman rule, from the ability for these Romans to just come in there and to take anything that they wanted and do with us as they please. He was, he was supposed to break all of that, but instead he is a victim of the same community we were hoping to be saved from. As I read John chapter 14, it says, And the Word became flesh. The Word is something that reminds us of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, In the beginning God created. And it was the Word of God that brought about light. And I don't think that that's a, 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 any sort of coincidence that in the very first, the very first act, in the very first book in the Bible was God speaking the word and the word bringing about light. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I've placed in my own notes Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, that says this. He is clothed in a robe, dripped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. Part of the lament of salvation is that salvation comes at a very high price. The price of life itself. The life of God. The life of our children. 
and the life of those who have chosen to follow him. There are places in this world. I have a friend um, that I went through a, a, a journey with. It was, it was called The Journey. And he goes out to different countries and he brings about the story of the gospel and talks to us about how people are being massacred and people are fearing for their lives because if they choose to follow this God that we celebrate during this Advent season, they will lose their lives. And once, a couple years back, he said that a friend of his that does the same work he does went missing. And they never found him again. And they never heard from him since. And he cried, and we cried with him. And we talked with him about the fact that he said, that could be me. One day, that could be me, but I won't stop doing the work that God has called me to do. I will again and again and again put my life on the line so that someone might know the story. But where do I put my life on the line? It is through depression and it was through sadness and it, it was those things that kept the 12 disciples locked up in an upper room. But it is the faithfulness of God grace, and the truth that God is not a subject to the enemy, and that the light is much stronger than darkness that reminds us that death is never the end of the story, because it only took three days before Jesus, with the power and might of the God in which he serves, that Jesus and the God in which he is, which is like a juxtaposition, that Jesus is God, but then Jesus needs God, and, and however that worked out, he is risen from the dead, and, and, and the accounts of the soldiers say that a great light shone so bright that it blinded them. Because death is never the end of the story. Salvation happens and salvation has come. And salvation is coming because death has been conquered by God himself. And it is God that has experienced it as well. I think of the death of Lazarus. in which Jesus weeps. I think of his own death and the pain and suffering that he went through just so that he could show us that that is not the power that wins. And so I follow the star. And I follow the light of God because it is this God that is faithful. 
because he does impart grace. And sometimes there are times in my own life where I don't understand how God could work when I am suffering so much and when I don't see how God has even remembered me. But it is in those times where I have to remember these stories and remind myself I am not alone when I suffer and when I feel like God has left me. And then I remind myself of the stories that I read in scripture, that it is the times in which I feel that God has forgotten about me, in which he is working the hardest to not just save me and my community, but to save the entire world that has been, that is, and that is to come. And God is working on behalf of all of us. And so then I get to choose how do these stories impact my life and how do I respond to them? How do I respond when difficult things happen in my life? I, I think of what it would have been like for Jesus to return to Bethlehem in Judea and to be his age. To tell people, I was born here. And for people to look at him and wonder how in the world he survived. An entire two-year span of male children were no longer there in the, thank you, in the community. And Jesus comes and he's the age of the time of lamentation. And he comes and he does miracles. And he comes and the light shines a little bit brighter. And he turns the religious order upside down. And says it's not about rules and regulations, it's about relationship. Would you like to be in the relationship, in relationship with someone like Jesus? Would you like to be in relationship with someone like the God that Jesus serves? Would you like to know that you are not alone and that God himself suffered and felt like time had stopped for just a moment because the pain was too great? The lament of salvation is something that reminds us that God is still in the very act of saving us. Do you know, at the end of the story, Jesus stops the act of salvation because Mary is weeping. Mary is weeping and she holds on to Jesus and he says, don't hold on to me because I have not yet returned to my father. The whole reason you came to earth was to return to your father. But Jesus stops the very act of salvation so that he can comfort Mary. And he will do the same for you. And he is doing the same for you. And as we as a community are here, 
Sometimes we don't always share our stories with each other, but if we cannot do it here in this community, then with who do we call family? May we have the courage to recognize that God has entrusted each and every one of us with a continuous act of salvation, participating in it, and not so much by, by telling people, this is what you need to believe. But it is by saying, I'm going to love you no matter what, because I believe in a God that loves me no matter what, because I believe in a God that gives me grace, the, 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 the gifts of things that I do not deserve. And so because I live in the spirit of a God who gives me that which I do not deserve, I give it to you. And I hope that that changes your life and that you know what it feels like to be saved. May God use you. May God speak through you. May God give you the grace and the power, the, the courage to speak out the things that you're going through. May you ask for help when you don't know what to do. And may we all have the courage to respond in ways that don't try to fix somebody else. Well, if you just do this, then everything will go away. But we accompany each other and say, man, you know what? I've been there too. And I know what that feels like. Can I, can I pray with you? And may it start here, and may it be so contagious that our communities are changed because you and I decided to be faithful to living like we're saved. May God bless you. And if you are feeling that there is a place that you want to be in a deeper relationship with God because you have not chosen to be baptized yet. But you want to learn a little bit more, what does that mean? Or you want to learn a little bit more about what it, what it means to be in relationship with God. You, you've been baptized, but you just want to keep studying the Bible. Pastor Amanda is here, and our, and our, our elders are here, and, and anybody would be willing to take your information and to set those meetings up and to get that started for you because we want to join the journey with you. And if you don't want to talk to any of us, tell your friend that you came with, and they'll get us connected. But may God bless you, may God use you, and may you continue to be a conduit of the life that the light that comes from the star in which we follow. May God bless you. Let us pray. Oh. Our Father God, we thank you for your love and your grace that is beyond what we could ever understand. And we ask, dear God, that you would use each person here, that you would help us in the places in which we are unsure that you have heard our prayers, that you may bless our families, that you may give us wisdom, and that you may also give us assurance that you are working despite the fact that we may not always be able to see you or feel you or hear your voice. 
May you send a special anointing on your family here, each and every individual, each and every family represented here. May you anoint them with your spirit. May you heal their hurts. May you break the chains that the enemy has around each and every one of us, God. And may the blood of Jesus cover us that we may be made whole. We lean on you now and forevermore. Amen and amen.